The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Jesus said to them in reply, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all other Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 people who were killed when the tower at Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And he told them this parable. There once was a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard, and when he came in search of fruit on it, but found none, he said to the gardener, For three years now I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but have found none. So cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? He said to him in reply, Sir, leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In our first reading, the reading from the book of Exodus, we have the dramatic account of Moses' encounter with God in the burning bush. It's the stuff of Hollywood classics, rather literally. And in the, in the story, God gives us his name. He actually gives us two names for him. And we should understand that there's, there's something special about God revealing his name to us. First off, in the understanding of the, of the scriptures, the name the, of, of anything is not just a, a sign that we use to refer to that thing, but rather tells us not only what that thing is, but tells us about its nature, tells us what it is at its essence, and from that we can infer what it does. So when God reveals his name to Moses and through Moses to us, he is telling us something about himself. He is revealing his innermost self to us. Also in the scriptural understanding of names, names give us access to the person that they refer to. When God reveals his name, not only does he give us the opportunity to call on him and the promise that he will hear when we call to him. But he, he promises us that when we call on his name, he will become present to us more intimately than we can imagine. And this is why there is incredible power in praying in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it's worth taking a look at what God says, what he, he tells us his name is. The first name that God gives, that he reveals to Moses, is I am who am. 
philosophers and theologians get very excited about this because it corresponds to what they conclude from their, their study of, of the world and reasoning about it through the, the tools of philosophy. It seems that God is affirming what the, the philosophers have said since the time of Aristotle, that God is the source of all being. He is being itself, and by his power, he sustains everything else in being. Now, that's, that's great if you're excited about metaphysics, but maybe it doesn't seem like it applies very directly to, to our lives. But the surprising thing is it does. The surprising thing is that this has deep impact on the way that we live our lives and what we are called to. In his great extended parable, The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis gives us how he imagines the final judgment will play out. He gives us a chance to see the souls in the afterlife when they stand not quite before God, but stand in judgment. And the souls themselves choose on their own accord where they will go. It's the the final chance that they have either to let God free them or to cling to their sins. Those who refuse God's grace, those who cling to their sins and even begin to identify with their sins, the narrator of the story sees them shrinking. They become small and petty. They shrivel up. They become very, very tiny to the point where they fall through the cracks down to the fiery place below, to a life of misery and isolation. On the contrary, though, those souls who allow God to purify them, who give God permission to free them from their sins, as painful as it may be, they find that it transforms them. And they are made greater, they are made glorious, powerful, beautiful, gracious. And they are given the strength from grace to run onwards and upwards to heaven. That's the choice that we're confronted with day after day. When we choose sin, when we choose something contrary to God, we are making a compromise with non-being. We are choosing to become less. We are turning away from God who is the source of all that is good and of all that is, and instead choosing something much lower than what we were created for, something that will interfere with our freedom to enjoy God in eternity. When we choose God, when we choose to turn away from sin, we become more than ourselves. We are transformed by grace, changed from glory to glory, until we are able to enjoy the presence of God and be happy with him in eternity in heaven. So what about the times when we fall? What about the times when we we do give in to sin or do give in to some small imperfection? 
Well, that's where the second name of God is so important for us. God identifies himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is not to say that he is the God who is worshipped by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's true. But what God is saying is something much more. He is telling us that he has bound himself to them. He has promised himself to them in a covenant, and he remains faithful to that covenant. That no matter what failures or fallings there were in the lives of these men, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God remains faithful to his promise. And when the people of Israel, their descendants, were taken into captivity, God promised that he would deliver them, that he would free them. He describes himself as rescuer. And that's the role that he wants to play in our lives as well. We are, in sometimes very subtle ways, slaves to sin. But God, in his grace, promises to deliver us. By our baptism, he has entered into a covenant with us, and he remains faithful. And if we only give him the chance, his grace will free us from sin. His grace will restore us to life. His grace will transform us into something greater than we can imagine. So here in Lent, stay strong. If you've slipped up, then this is the opportunity to begin again, to ask God for his grace. If we let God be first in our lives, if we give him the due priority that is his right as God, then we will receive his blessings and we will grow to be the men and women, the saints that he created us to be.